joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning for what you're doing in this place. We thank you for your presence, Lord God. Lord God, we thank you that you are our hope. And that this morning, Lord God, we are coming to interact with you, Lord God. We thank you that you are a good God, Lord God, who wants what's best for us. And we receive that over our life this morning, in Jesus' name. Welcome, church. Let's give the worship team a big hand. They did an incredible job this morning. You guys can find your seats. First of all, it's an incredible honor to be up here on the stage to be able to speak. My name is Brad Ulrich. I'm married to my beautiful wife in the front row, Shelby, and we just three months ago had our first child, little baby James Eliza Ulrich, just hanging out in the second row. So I'm now a proud father for the first time that I've been on the stage here, so that's always very exciting news. Uh, A little bit about myself and us. I've been coming to the church for 13 years now, back to when we were in not in the community center, but in the house that was converted right by the old community center where it started. And it's just been an incredible journey to see our church grow to the place where we are today being here. And it's been an honor for my wife and I to serve in this church, to be a part of it, um, to be a part of youth ministry in the past, to our young adults ministry, to working with life groups. And now we still lead a life group and we're a part of the college, helping equip people in God's word. and giving them the tools to study the word. So that's just a little bit of what we're doing now. Uh, And again, I'm so excited to have this opportunity to share with you guys this morning. And I think uh, God has put a word on my heart that's relevant in season to I think what we're all going through as we enter into 2017. It's a great topic to be on of hope as we start into a new season. I think all of us need elements of hope in our life. And so I'm just going to start with a little story. I was reading this story earlier this week, and I just felt it was something fitting uh, for today. And so it's about a family from Scotland. And the story says, years ago in Scotland, the Clark family had a dream. Clark and his wife worked and saved, making plans for their nine children and themselves to travel to the United States. It had taken years, but they had finally saved enough money and gotten passports and reservations for the whole family on a new liner to the United States. The entire family was filled with anticipation and excitement about their new life to be in America. However, seven days before their departure, the youngest son was bitten by a dog. The doctor sewed up the boy, but hung a yellow sheet on the Clark's front door. Because of the possibility of rabies, they were being quarantined for 14 days. The family's dreams were dashed. They would not be able to make the trip to America as they had planned. The father, filled with disappointment and anger, stomped to the dock to watch the ship leave without the Clark family. The father shed tears of disappointment and cursed both his son and God for their misfortune. Yet five days later, the tragic news spread throughout Scotland. The mighty Titanic had sunk. The unsinkable unsinkable ship had sunk, taking hundreds of lives with it. The Clark family was to have been on that ship, but because the son had been bitten by a dog, they were left behind in Scotland. When Mr. Clark heard the news, he hugged his son and thanked God for saving the family. 
He thanked God for saving their lives and turning what he had felt was a tragedy into a blessing. The reason I share this story is oftentimes I think we have a misunderstanding of what the word hope means. And if we look into the dictionary, we can get definitions like to cherish or desire something with anticipation, to desire with expectation of obtainment, or to expect with confidence. But sometimes I think just hope on its own when we have it is misplaced for what actually God has for hope. And God is so gracious so many times in our life of actually knowing the big picture and protecting us for some, from some things that we are unaware of. And I think that's so relevant in this story that their full hope was based on this trip of going. But they would have never made it there. But God's grace was enough to know what he had for that family and what he had in store for them. And so I think it's important that we correctly place our hope. So I believe it's much more than just a desire. But that hope, when it's connected with our faith and faith put into action, can actually transform our life when we direct it correctly. And that's what we're going to be speaking about this morning. One of my questions to us as a congregation is, why do we need hope? I believe there's a quite simple answer to this question, and that's because without hope, we will perish. Hope is something that allows us to live life to the fullest. And without it, we can't do that. Hope is a positive assurance in the midst of challenging and difficult times. Our hope gives us purpose and direction in life. And that's why I feel hope is such, something that is so beneficial for us if we can properly understand it. For this morning, I've titled my sermon, When Faith and Hope Collide. And we're going to be reading from Romans 4. So if you want to turn into your Bibles to Romans 4, that's where we're going to get started. Before I start reading, though, I just want to give us a little bit of context to what's happening in the book of Romans. And if you understand Paul's writing, you're going to notice that in following the train of thought of what he's talking about, he doesn't actually follow the chapter breaks like we do. So this thought kind of begins at the end of chapter 3, carries on into chapter 4, kind of finishes up for what we're going to be talking about in the start of chapter 5. But really, it's kind of um, a thread of this message throughout all of chapter 3 to 5. But in chapter 3, at the end, we see Paul addressing two key important points. And that's first, the righteousness of God, and second, the justification of the faithful. And that only God is the righteous one who can bring the redemption and the forgiveness of sins. God is the only one who is truly righteous, being morally or right and justifiable. And the justification of the faithful, that whole message that there's a deep message within here and we'll briefly talk on it, but really we're just laying a foundation for it, for making this connection that Paul talks about in Faith and Hope. Paul explains how both Jews and Gentiles receive salvation the same way, as a gift of faith and not by doing works prescribed by the law. And the reason Paul is sharing this is because there's both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians within the church in Rome at this time period. And Paul understands that there's a message going around that it's all about the law and following the statutes and ordinances within the law in order to be saved. And Paul is clarifying here that it's justification through faith alone whether you're a Gentile Christian or you're a Jewish Christian, and that the law supports this. I want to remind us that Paul does not disregard the law of having no value, but he's, he's making a connection here that there's a difference between following the statutes and ordinances of the law, of practical things in our life to be a good Christian that is much different than how we get our salvation, which is through justification, through faith. 
And as we get down to the start of chapter four, we see that he uses the example of Abraham, and that Abraham was justified because of his faith, and it was reckoned or determined by God as righteousness. And as we know from before that only God can be righteous, God is the one that's recognizing Abraham in this place. But Paul doesn't stop there. For those who said, well, great, you used the example of Abraham, but Abraham lived before the time period of the law. So what would that matter? What about when the law came in? Now we had to follow it then. You'll see in chapter 4, in verse 6, he continues to also use the story of David. David did live in the time period of the law. But he gives an incredible example here that I think many times we may miss, that David was also justified by his faith and not by his actions of following the law. For actually, if we remember the story of David, the actions of David of both committing adultery and committing murder, the only atonement under the law for those sins was death. The only way David could be forgiven of those things was if he died. But we see something that's very unique for this time period in history in the story of David, where when the prophet Nathan confronts David, David repents and turns his heart. And in that moment, God forgives him. God makes atonement for his sin. And Paul's making a connection for us here that's so valuable to show that God forgives David and atones for his sins where the law could not. As a result, Paul has revealed that justification by faith was God's solution before the law, during the law, and even after the law with Jesus coming. It was always the way that God had meant to do it. The law still holds value in that it shows us where our sin is, but Paul is making a point here that's relevant and essentially establishes the foundation that we're building upon on this idea of justification by faith. It's important that we also see that Paul understood that through Jesus, the message of God was fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled what the law could not do, and that was the justification of faith. And it makes it clear with the coming of Jesus that we can understand it today. But at the end of chapter 4, where we're going to be focusing, Paul explains how both faith and hope work together, which is what we're going to be focusing on today. So if we turn to Romans 4, we're going to be starting in verses 13 to 15. We can get that up on the screen. And it says, For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to who." or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. The reason I think this is too important is if you wanted to circle two words in there, I'd circle the words faith and promise. Paul's making a very important point here, that if it was all about the law, that our personal faith would be meaningless. It would be null. And also, that if it was only about the law, then the promises of God that he had would be void. And what he's showing us here is that justification of faith is so much more. And the first point for us today that I have is that God is faithful to his promises. One of the main themes that we see in Romans is how God is faithful to fulfill his covenant promises. And we see here with his covenant promise to Abraham and to the Jews that God is faithful to fulfill it, and he does that through Jesus. The idea of righteousness has to do with God fulfilling his covenant to the Jews. And this idea of righteousness is a theme that we see that starts with Abraham and God saying, I've determined 
that Abraham is righteous due to his faith and recognition of his faith. It was never about his actions of following the law because the law wasn't there for Abraham. It was always about his actions in relation to faith. For David, it was never about his actions in following the law that saved him. It was about his actions in relation to faith. And for David, we hear God say that he was a man after my own heart. And we see that when David actually is confronted by the prophet Nathan, that immediately he changes his heart to recognize, I am in the wrong, I have no excuse, and repents before God. And I believe it was his faith in action that God identified his heart that he decided to forgive and atone for David's sin, even under the law, when all the law had to offer was David's death. God made a covenant with both Abraham and with the Jews, and through Jesus he fulfills it. Furthermore, through Christ, we also are part of this promise today because we are considered sons and daughters of the promise. Now from the physical line, the Jews were the sons and daughters of Abraham. They came through that line. But for us, we are a part of that line and that promise that God had too because we are sons and daughters of the promise. And we need to understand that God is faithful to his promises and that we are part of that promise that God has. We're going to continue reading, so turn with me to Romans 4, 16 to 21. For this reason, it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. This is speaking of both the Jews and us as the Gentiles being saved and part of the promise. For he is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations. According to what was said, so numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. We see an incredible picture here of Abraham's story of how in unlikely circumstances his faith remains. There's a very interesting verse here in verse 18 of some of the wording where it says, hoping against hope, which seems like a contradiction but really when you define it, it could mean to hope without any basis of, expect, of expecting fulfillment. You could hope for it, but it's unrealistic. To hope against hope, you don't see a likely fulfillment. What we see here is a promise from God that Abraham would be a father of many nations. And Abraham could hope all he wants, but he knew it was unrealistic unless a miracle from God happened. But what Abraham chose to hold on to this time was his faith in the faithfulness of God and that God is a faithful God who will fulfill his promises. And we see if you understand the story of Abraham that even though it's unrealistic at this age that Sarah could give birth to a child and that they could have a son of the promise, that their son Isaac did come from Sarah. Even though Abraham tried to do something in his his own strength to make it happen, God showed, no, I am faithful to my promise and I will make the miracle happen. What we can also learn from Abraham is he did hold on to his faith and he didn't waver 
that even if he didn't understand it, God would find a way to work it out, to make it happen. And I believe this is where our faith and hope collide, where they work together. And we're just going to read the end of chapter 4 here. It says, therefore his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to, do, to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespass and was raised for our justification. So he just kind of sums up his point of the justification of faith. And I just want to share a story from my life of this idea of hope and faith coming together. About two years ago, when we decided to leave to go to Bible school, it was at a time where it was in a season of our life where we were thinking about starting a family and buying a home and getting settled. And as we were praying about it, of what that decision was, and I was offered a full-time teaching job, I felt God speaking to me in that prayer time that if you give me this year, if you sacrifice this year to go study the word and pour into me, I will take care of you in your future. And so, just realistically, for me, I was thinking, you know what? Well, we're going to buy a house. We have money to buy a house. I have a guaranteed job that will afford to be able to pay for that house. And once we have that house, then we can start a family. So, I was thinking that's just the natural progression of what that's going to mean. And so, we go away and have an incredible year in Hawaii studying the Word. And from that time, we're coming back and I remember that, that promise of God, if you give me this year, I will set up the rest of your future. And God laid an incredible foundation for us of just understanding the word in a different way. And I would say laying an incredible foundation in our marriage for what was happening. But I still held on to that promise that God was going to take care of our future. And to me, that hope was when I come back, I had this desire to have a house because then once I had a house, then it was a natural next step to be able to start a family. But just like the story I shared at the start, God's timing is often different than our timing. And what happened when we came back is we realized, well, we had that money before we left, but now we spent it on school. And the dollar wasn't good, and it was an American money. So we lost more money and came back, and we didn't have the money in order to afford to buy a house. And I remember... One specific evening when we had come back and we were at a, a leader's night at Pastor Lauren and Kelly's house and we were talking about our future. What was something that we hoped or believed for our future coming up in this year? And I remember that night thinking about how important it was to me to start a family. But a part of me thinking Without a house or a home or a place to have that family, how could we start a family? <clears throat> now, I know that's just first world issues of the way we think of things or what we value or what we see as important, as I know that regardless of where we were, God can have a family and take care of your every need wherever you are. But it was just something that I was wrestling with, and I said, God, those were the things we were walking into, and I felt that was your promise. So my faith had to go into action. My faith had to be a part of this hope that God would take care of my needs. And so we start journeying through that year. We had a very gracious mother-in-law who allowed us to store all of her stuff, as well as ourselves in her house through that time. 
And through that time, God allowed us to save some more money in order to get to a place where we could afford a house. <clears throat> and in that, even in a little bit of a surprising way, we found out we were pregnant in January, and we were so excited about the opportunity to start a family, even though we didn't have a home yet. The last part of this faith journey for us with this hope of what God had promised for us was that we realized once we started in January we had known we were having a baby, okay, we should start intentionally looking for houses even if we can't afford them, even if it means living further away from where we want to be, where our community is, it will be okay. And so we start looking, the prices aren't still in our price range, and so we start looking outside of the parameters of where we can stay. And I remember one week having to go to Shelby and saying, okay, I know we're looking at these houses and this was the price we were believing for, but I've run the numbers again, and we can't afford that price. And so in that moment, there was a choice for us to be discouraged and hopeless that it just wasn't going to work out. We weren't going to have a house. Or to engage our faith of, okay, it seems unrealistic, but God's in this in some way. And it was probably two days later, I think, that we're looking online through the different housing things, and we stumble upon this house that is in the area we want, but way undervalued for all the prices in that area. So we're like, this place must be a dump. Like, there's something wrong with it that it's so underpriced for everything else. But anyways, we're like, well, let's just get in there as quickly as we can and just check it out because it doesn't hurt looking at it. It's actually in our price range of what we could afford. We go there, and I walk in, and yes, there's things that need to be done to it, and I'm thinking about that, but I see the potential. But where it really shifted for me is when Shelby came up to me and said, I really love this place. I like it. Where in other places, even if it, it seemed like it had all the things we wanted and it was out of our price range, she'd be like, something doesn't seem right about it. But this, even in a place that had its flaws, she could see the potential and there was peace in her heart that this was the home for us. To fast forward that story to the end, we ended up being able to purchase it under that price they were listing it for and be able to put renovations to fix it up to a place that was incredible for us at a price that we could still afford. And the last part of this story is linking back to the family part. So there was a time of renovations and there were so many people that graciously came to help me through it when I thought I was losing my mind to actually finish completing it while still having a full-time job. And in that moment, I realized how faithful God was to his promises. That even though it wasn't necessarily my timing of, hey, come back, get a house, get settled, then have a baby, that it was in God's timing. And the first night that we slept in that house was the day after we came home with our son from being born in the hospital. And so my point of this story is not just that God's going to give us whatever we want, but my point is that God is faithful to our promises. He knows the hopes and desires of our heart. And that if there is promises in our life, that he is faithful to fulfill them. And because God sees the big picture, he's so gracious in that journey with us to cover our needs, but in a way that's greater than what we could even imagine. And so I believe this is where our faith and our hope need to come together. My second point, I'm just going to read uh, 
Romans 4, 22 to 25 again, so it's fresh in our mind. Again, it says, therefore his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespass and was raised for our justification. So faith is the key component in how we're justified. And my second point is that faith is actually the foundation of our hope. I believe there's a very important connection between these two. The word faith in Greek is pistis, and there's two meanings for it. We often naturally understand the first meaning, which can quite simply be put to mean believing in something, that aspect of faith, to believe in something. But the second part in the Greek of what pistis actually means is to be, or it means faithfulness, just the word faithfulness. And this is actually in reference when Paul's using it even earlier in Romans and through this time, where it's speaking about God being a faithful God and that God is faithful, is a faithful covenant keeping God. Thus our hope can be found in God by having faith in the faithful one. So there's a two point meaning here that the way they use the word faith just wasn't believing in something but also in the sense of understanding the word faithfulness, for one to be faithful. And he's making the connection here to the faithful one being God. I believe that hope cannot function without faith, because without faith, hope loses its vision for what we are believing for. We need that faith in action to help with those desires and things that God's put within our heart. Hope starts out as an abstract idea, but when we choose to engage our faith with hope, it can become our tangible reality that we live out. It's no longer just that idea that's out there that we're believing or desiring something, but when we take faith, and not faith alone of just believing, oh, I believe that that will happen one day, but do nothing about it. But I'm referring to faith here, faith in action. We're doing a something about this belief that we have, that it can connect with the hope that we have. In my own life from a young age, God had always put it on my heart that I had hoped that my life would be something that meant something and that I would be able to, I had a desire to be able to help people in different ways. I grew up in a family that um, got into missions at a young and early age and God showed me in that time a different worldview or perspective of what was happening in the world that everything wasn't like how it is in the Western world, but there was those in need, and there was those with much less than what I had, but who were much happier than I was. What seemed like nothing to them, living in a one-bedroom home, no toys, the littlest things would make them happy because they realized and recognized they had their family and they had something. Even though it was little, they had something. And through that I realized there was something so much more, and I wanted, I had a hope and a desire for my life for it to mean something. But if I just had this hope and decided to do nothing about it, I have this hope to like go help people or to make a difference in people's lives, but you know what, I'm gonna do nothing about it, then my hope would be meaningless. But when I take that faith and that belief that God has a purpose for my life, and I align with what that purpose of God, God's purpose for my life is, when I put that faith into action, that hope can actually be realized. I feel like Pastor Lauren 
probably said it best last week when he was talking about hope is an inner picture of a future reality. That faith can only produce what hope envisions. Because he was talking about a key aspect of hope and faith needing to work together. And the reason I'm saying hope is the foundation is because that faith and the action is the starting point to actually see that hope that we've envisioned to come to pass, to be our reality. Abraham could hope all he wanted, but that is not what God recognized and justified him for. It was for his faith that he was determined by God to be righteous, and thus to be righteous, meaning to be just and acceptable before God, for God to forgive Abraham of all of his sins. Oftentimes, when I was growing up, I always couldn't comprehend this. If Jesus had come and my salvation through faith was through Jesus, well, what about everybody else in the Bible before Jesus? How are they going to be saved? There's, there's no way for them to be saved before God. But Paul does an incredible job of showing it here that Abraham was faith, or Abraham's faith is what brought salvation. It was always about God justifying people on behalf of their faith. By sending Jesus, he just made it much easier for us because it was the full fulfillment of what the law was passed to reflect, to show in our life what was valuable, what was important. But it was always about justification by faith. Without faith, hope is merely our desire or anticipation for something to happen. But I believe faith actually stabilizes our hope. It is also important that we understand the significance of serving a faithful God. And what I mean by this is having hope and faith in someone or something that is unfaithful is meaningless. But to have faith in one that is faithful holds great meaning. What I mean is if you have faith in a friend who is unreliable and does not keep their promises, you're quickly going to lose your trust in that person or your faith in that person to come through. But when you have people in your life that are reliable and trustworthy and follow through on the things that they say, follow through on the promises that you make to them, those people become trustworthy people in your life that you see as faithful. Since no person can beat the faithfulness of God, how can we not connect our faith and hope to him? And that's my challenge for us this morning. God is so faithful. And we can't forget that. He's faithful to his promises. He's faithful to his part of the relationship with us. We need to connect our faith to the faithful one, to a faithful God, knowing that the hopes and desires, many of those he's put within our heart. He wants us to engage our faith into action to make them become a reality, those things that we hope for. The final thing we're going to read is Romans 5, 1 to 5. And Paul does a great job. I would encourage you to read all through Romans 3 to 5. And by doing that, you're going to then want to read just all of Romans. There's so much in here. There's so many messages of where this could go. But for what we're focusing on, I think in the first five verses here, he does a good job of wrapping up a lot of what we've been talking about. It says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. My third and final point is, hope allows us to share God's glory with others. 
I'm just going to kind of recap a little bit of what this says. And it says, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus because of God's grace. It's still about justification by faith, which is something so incredible. We need to understand what we are truly hoping for so that we can engage our faith and thus put it into action. We share hope by sharing the glory of God with others. We can't lose sight of that. It's not just about having this hope and being in our own world, but how do we share this hope with others? I think our lives can be a living representation of God's glory if we're living correctly, but also intentional about whose lives we're speaking into and how we're living our life. Now, to share Christ in our world is not always easy. It often comes with ridicule or different types of suffering that can come. I think for the most part, we live in a country and a nation where, for the most part, the sufferings we face is someone making fun of us or mocking us for what we believe. But there is a reality that people in different countries around the world are facing suffering and persecution to the point of death for their faith and what they stand for. In Paul's own life, he faced this journey and struggled battling through what that meant to live for Christ with suffering. But he understood that suffering would produce endurance in his life that would help him live through all that came his way. And that endurance, as he pushed through and maintained that faith, would produce a character in him that would, qual- would have a strong representation and quality of what Christ was modeled to others. And we can do that as well. As whatever comes our way, we endure with what God has promised over our life. And we, through this endurance, develop character. And as we develop that character, I believe the realization of the hope that God has for our life and for this world will be revealed. Hope does not disappoint because we have God's love and poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God has sent, after Jesus left, he sent the Holy Spirit that we would never be alone. Meaning that we are not alone but have a hope and a purpose for our future. However, this still means we need to engage our faith along the way so that we can endure produce character, and that character reveal the hope that we have of Jesus. Having hope does not mean always getting what we want, but God is sovereign and he knows best. I feel just like the first story I showed today in my own story. Sometimes we can lose sight of what true hope actually means. We can have a desire, but misplace what actually that hope means, and our faith in action living out that hope. And because of God's grace, I think he is so faithful to sometimes, even when we don't see the big picture, and he does, to pull us back or to protect us from situations we're unaware of. In Romans 4, 13 to 25, or, sorry, we, um, sorry, going back, Romans 15, 13, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In recapping what we have read through Romans 4, 13 to 25, I believe it reveals to us that we need to have faith in the promises of God for our life because this is what brings hope into our life and also into our world. The reality is that we live in a world with many voices and many messages that can influence us, can distract us, and we live in a time period when stress and anxiety can take over our life if we're not careful. But I believe that's why God has given us this incredible gift of hope that regardless of what we're going through, I think we all have the opportunity 
to grasp onto that hope of Jesus. God sent his son Jesus, which is the ultimate gift of hope. And through that, God gives us visions for our future. He gives us the desires within our heart. When we're in alignment with him, there are also the desires of his heart, which is the hope that we have. And when we connect that with faith in action of actually walking it out, I see these two things of faith and hope coming together. And as we do that, the final thing is, by sharing God's glory with others, we can actually share this hope of Jesus with others. We actually have a part to play in others being able to receive that. By engaging our hope and faith correctly, we can walk out the promises of God in our life and allow God's glory to shine through us to others who also need his hope. A challenging verse is Proverbs 10.28. It says, The hope of the righteous ends in gladness, but the expectation of the wicked comes to nothing. People in our world are desperate for hope, but they keep putting their faith in things that are unfaithful. We have an opportunity to help them know what is faithful, that we serve a faithful God. And then when they put in these things, their hope in these things that fall short and don't live up to it, that we're the ones that can give them the answer, that that true hope can be found in Jesus. There's three people as we wrap up that I want to pray for, just as we bow our heads. The first is those that have never received this hope of Jesus, that have never maybe had the opportunity or just have never made that decision to believe in Jesus. I want you to be able to have that hope this morning. Just with our, our heads bowed, if you're someone that has never asked Jesus into your heart, has never felt that hope, or you feel you've once felt it but that you've walked away from God, and there's a longing and a desire in your heart to turn back to him that you feel that hope and that burning connection of God in your life again, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you today. Just going to give us a moment here. If there, if there is anybody that God's speaking to you in that area. The second people, group of people that I want to pray for is if God's placed a promise over your heart, maybe it was a prophetic word you got, maybe it was just in a time of prayer that God put it, and maybe it's something you've just been believing for. But for whatever circumstance you've given up on that promise, of ever coming to pass, that there's been a part of you that thinking, that's thought, well, I thought God promised this to me, but I guess in this area, God is not faithful to what he promised to me. I wanna pray for you this morning. And so if that's you, I just ask you to come to the front. If there's any promises in your life that, that you feel God hasn't fulfilled and you've lost faith in those areas. that is you, you can start coming to the front now and I want to pray for you. And the third group is that last part of what I talked about. We live in a world where there's so much hopelessness around us. People are reaching out. They're striving for some form of hope, some form of fulfillment in their life but they're going to all the wrong things. Yes, it's fun to 
get involved in certain things that temporarily satisfy us. But the reality is, it's not going to be fulfilling in the long run. It's always going to fall short. Only God can truly fulfill those parts of our heart. If you're someone that you want to make a difference and you want to help share hope to others, I just want you to stand up in your seat where you are. If you're feeling that God spoke to you something at the end of this message that I have a message of hope, but I haven't been sharing it with those that I could. There's something stirring within you that this message of hope needs to be proclaimed to others. I know in my own life I have many non-Christian friends and oftentimes I hold back because, well, for one, selfishly, I don't want to be mocked by them. But by two, I don't know how they'll receive it or if they'll just reject it and it'll be a waste of time. But I think that thinking is the lies of the enemy, that we don't take that faith step, we don't take that faith action. And it actually keeps us stuck in the ground where we are. And so for those of you who believe, you know what, like God's stirring something in my heart that I want to share this message of hope with others. I just want to pray for you where you're standing right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that you've put on their heart this message of hope and to share your hope with others by letting your glory shine through their life, by letting your glory speak through the words that they share with others, Lord God. I know there's tons of people in our life, Lord God, that need your hope and we have the opportunities in our lives to speak to those people, to reflect and model your character in our life, and through that, share your hope with these people. I pray you're covering over these people this morning that are standing, Lord God, believing for what you're wanting to do. I pray, Lord God, that you stir up within them the faith and the belief that they can do it, and that they take that first step of action, Lord God, to speak out in your name, Lord God, that you will be glorified in their life and through their life and in their world, Lord God. I pray against any lies of the enemy that they can't do it, that they won't have the words to speak. Lord God, that they don't have the right people in their life to be able to do that, Lord God, but you will reveal to them, even in this moment, people in their life, Lord God, that you are calling them to speak truth into. Lord God, that you are calling them to model your character and the way they need to live their life, Lord God, that their life will be that representation of your glory embodied within them, Lord God. I thank you that we have the opportunity to be your hands and your feet, Lord God, that you are gracious enough to trust us as the body to walk it out, Lord God. And I, I just seal that word over their life, Lord God. I pray complete confidence and boldness over them as they walk this out. I'm just going to ask everybody else to stand up. We're going to sing a song just as we end here. I just want us to proclaim it out as the church arises for what God wants for us. Hey, everybody, what a great word. Why don't you just thank Brad for, it's really excellent. Maybe you've had a, uh, a promise that's just hanging and it's, you want someone to agree with you. This is where that transition, that transaction happens, when someone agrees with you in prayer. Maybe it's just been taken too long for that promise to come to pass. This is a perfect time to just, our prayer team is here, they're ready to pray for you. Maybe there's other reasons you're here. You're disappointed or discouraged. I want everybody that walks through those doors today be the most hopeful people in all of Calgary. 
So let me declare it. Through those doors walk the most hopeful people in all of Calgary. Let's, let's wrap it up this morning, but if you'd like prayer, please come forward. We'd like to agree with you in prayer. God bless you. Have an awesome week. message has impacted you. For more information about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.